0: Thank you. I think I'd like to first give credit to uh, Ben Hoffman and Richard Bruns for initiating the idea for the project I'm working on. But um, Emma is also, Emma Atlas is also my co-founder, but she's not here right now. Um, so to go on, uh, how did we even get intro- involved in uh, policy in the first place? Um, well, for me, it started off with a general desire to improve the world. I hadn't been introduced to EA yet, so I'd already been thinking about lots of general things. and. I'd always wondered, like, if I'm actually doing things that are good. So I'd be questioning myself a lot and try to engage in debates where people would prove me wrong. Now, the way I grew up, I was in a rather conservative area. So my initial thoughts for how to make the world a better place are target areas of power. So for me, that was, I should join the military and try to, like, improve things. That might have been a little naive, but... um, Some of my ideas were, like, involved with, like, non-lethal weapons and, like, improving foreign aid that's distributed via the military, but that didn't go so well. I had lots of mandatory wasted time at the Air Force Academy, and I started to see there were lots of things in systems that can be improved on an intuitive, like, personal experience level, like standing all day at a football game, just not doing any studying that needs to be done is not terribly productive use of my time, so... After I went with my Plan B and transferred to the University of Maryland, I felt like I was on a lower power track. And I sort of, like, wanted to engage with people who had big ideas and I could, like, rejoin into some initiative to do something important. So, I eventually encountered effective altruism uh, via Ben Hoffman and the DC Effective Altruists. Um, As soon as, like... Basically, as soon as I got there, we found out, oh, wow, a lot of us are from the University of Maryland. We should start a group. Hey, we're in D.C. We should do something with policy. And like, we entertained lots of ideas. Can we like take politicians out to bars? What can we do to influence policy in a cost-effective manner if we're not like super intelligent or a think tank yet? What can we realistically do? So one of the ideas we came up with was policy comments, but I'll get into that after just giving a brief overview of um, effective altruism and policy in general. So like some general areas of change are listed here, like immigration reform, foreign aid reform, existential catastrophic risk mitigation, criminal justice reform, factory farming, and macroeconomic policy. Um, In general, there are a lot of things that effective altruists care about, which are influenced by something in politics. So it's at least somewhat important to control what's happening. So first thing, immigration reform. In general, there's there's supposedly some very large benefits to um, opening borders, maybe not entirely, but to some degree, increasing labor mobility. Um, I know those are rougher estimates than the actual estimates, but roughly between 50 and 150% um, increase in GDP is estimated from opening up the borders now there might be some effects that counter that that should be studied a little more but this is like just fermi estimate this could be an interesting thing for effective altruists to look into in the long run Um, also listed down there like remittances are pretty big sure they're not a replacement for aid but they put a lot of money into developing countries um next thing here foreign aid reform um i haven't listed like the total size of foreign aid but just like for example USAID's like bu- requested budget for next year is like 22.3 billion that is a lot of money um redirecting some of this to be more effective has large potential benefits but that being said aid agencies aren't terrible like a lot of them do have some very competent people within them so it's more or less um reallocating funding to effective projects within those communities. They're not like terrible. They're to some degree pretty good. Um, So next thing here, um, existential and catastrophic risk mitigation. Um, There are some existential catastrophic risks, which are probably going to make sense to tackle from policy perspective in the long run. Um, Having different governments cooperate, um, trying not to have governments in competition against each other with something like AI. (laughs) Um, so it varies. Um, next thing, um, criminal justice reform. I think Howie's going to be going into this more than I will be, but, um, like general things we've noticed with what I've been working with is there's a lot of things that are very inconsistent in sentencing. Um, like your score on like the sentencing might go up by one point and then you score this many more months and then you go up the next point and then you only score like a few more months. Like there's Inconsistent things in sentencing, which could possibly benefit from like a more, um, equation like approach provided that it, um, is not, um, politically completely, um, unsatisfactory. Um, there's very large costs to prisons. Um, this is people not just incarcerated on the federal level in the United States, but, um, also in like local state prisons, um, that cost estimate is possibly too low because states that like were over that on average were simply just including more costs in their estimates and some costs might have significantly underestimated the cost of incarceration on the population um so also there's unnecessary laws but probably don't have time to go into that right now um factory farming we're all aware of this um There's already people who are into um, animal advocacy, and there's a lot of things within the government where we could potentially push forward regulation to um, make factory farming less horrible. Um, I believe in the world it's about 60 billion farmed animals, but in the U.S. it's about 8.5 billion each year, so that's pretty bad. (laughs) Um, Next thing here, macroeconomic policy. Um, there's a lot of areas in macroeconomic policy where there's large potential for large benefits. I know um, GiveWell or Open Philanthropy has looked into stuff with um, preventing like recessions and depressions. Um, some things we've looked at briefly, which don't look like they'll pan out very well anytime in the short run, would be more efficient tax policies in general um things like Pigouvian taxation things that um penalize negative externalities on society are in general more efficient taxes than just taxing things that, that are like neutral or not harmful um like an example with energy policy which currently isn't feasible for change would be something like instead of independently subsidizing each green energy source at varying different levels, it would make more sense to just have a carbon tax, and then the best green energy source outcompetes the others rather than having the government sort of like take a guess as to which is best. Like you're still having a government intervention, but it's slightly more efficient than what would have happened otherwise. But maybe that's just not politically feasible for now. Um, so general challenges for going into policy, uh, have them listed here. Um, there's plenty more. <laughs> this is just a brief introduction. So first things first, knowledge problem, um, for our project, since we're diving into like the federal register and like looking for specific things that can change, it takes a while to wait. Do you say something? Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It takes a while to find like what the actual best policies are, and it also takes a while to figure out what's going on with the current policy. So you both have to read through that and, and understand how policies influence each other. Uh, this little graphic here is just like an example from like a video game, Democracy 3, where it's like you get to see how different policies interact with each other. Some of those connections probably aren't very logical, like GDP is decreasing with immigration. That probably doesn't really happen. But um, <laughs> there's... Also problems with um, measurement, with like choosing a metric that's both like useful in terms of like we're effective altruists. We want to measure our actual progress, but then also useful for like convincing the government to do something. So like the government's currently most susceptible to going along with like cost benefit analysis, but in some cases like you might assume that like the dollar values you find from just general cost benefit analysis might not properly reflect the value we'd want to uh, assign to something. Like for example, saving a life in the U S that's like generally gonna like regulatory agencies might say that's between worth like $5 million per life or like $9 million per life. So there's a lot of variance in the way saving lives um, is valued. Um, Also, like, things like if you're helping animals, like, the government might say something like, oh, you can't measure the willingness to pay of a cow, so how do we say, like, how valuable it is to help more animals? It's very hard to make certain arguments, so that's something you have to take account of. Um, Adversarial philanthropy. Um, So... Effective altruism isn't always terribly politically correct. There's a lot of hard comparisons and trade-offs that we make between different causes. So there's the risk of being considered cold and calculating. And there's also um, when people have like limited moral circles, like for example, a lot of the benefits to like um, opening up immigration are to foreigners or people who are immigrating here and people receiving remittances. So like, Even if the benefits to us, like, even if there aren't detriments to us, even if it's like mostly neutral to those in wealthier countries, um, people aren't necessarily extending their moral circle beyond their own country when making policy, because it's often representative government for the people in local areas. Um, Also, epistemic rigor. I mean, a lot of people here are familiar with the rationality movement and, like, say things like politics is the mind killer. Um, <laughs> you want to avoid, um, giving the impression, I mean, not as a tiny policy group, but as if we are going to have like politicians someday, it's hard to popularize the idea that like changing your mind is a good thing. Like it's politically suicide currently for those who do flip flop. Okay. So next thing is about institutional change. I think this is one of the things that matters most. Um, it's very hard to get things to change abruptly. Um, And obviously, if you do change things abruptly, it might be more um, harmful than good. Uh, A good example I like to give is like comparing certain welfare programs to like giraffe evolution. Like with giraffes, their laryngeal nerve like goes from their head and then like back down and then back up again. And it's like, why did this happen? Well, over time, um that giraffe needs that nerve and if it's evolving a longer neck you can't just have some point in time where that nerve is severed and then you still have giraffe population existing so like with some policies that are addressing certain problems like they have to be going along continuously and like if you have a department which like has people who like want to keep having their jobs like they're not just gonna replace something you have to like be able to thoroughly figure out how you could like go the step to like switch to something more direct like an example that we came across would be like um the department of interior had like a housing improvement program that was like run poorly enough that they just wanted to shut it down but they didn't like why is this well i mean the thing that would have replaced it wasn't like a perfect replacement there are some people who would have suffered a lot if they just switched to it so when you have situations like that it's hard to make rapid progress Um, so status quo bias, vested interests, I think you're all getting the picture. It's even if you find the ideal policy, you have to put in a lot of research into figuring out execution and how you would go through the political steps to achieve that policy. Um, so in general, this doesn't cover everything, but this is like a list of like possible types of interventions. You can have think tanks do research and try to like propose their research, um, there's lobbying and networking, like trying to like get in, talk with congressmen and politicians, uh, increase their sympathies to effective altruism. Um, we've noticed that it's very competitive and hard to compete for people's time. It might be easier in some smaller countries, though. Um, grassroots organizing, I believe it was sentience politics talked about, like, For instance, like in um, Switzerland, like getting something on their national referendum through um, their direct democracy. And like in countries like that, it might be feasible to actually have grassroots movements for effective altruism. Um, So another thing you can do is like work for the government or run for an office. Um, Working for the government isn't necessarily high promise because there's no guarantee you'll rank up to a position where you can change things. And if you run for office, there's not a guarantee you'll get elected either. So it's Hard for me to imagine these being super beneficial anytime soon, but maybe people can work on strategy for this and come up with some good ideas. And the last thing I have on this list is policy comments, which is what my project currently does. So effective altruism policy analytics. Um, Basically, we read through the United States Federal Register. We look for new rules and regulations coming out that we think we can influence for the good. One of the things that is required by the government is when independent organizations submit policy comments to the Federal Register, they're legally required to read and reply to every point that is made. So it's sort of like a cheap hack to get the government to think about certain things, especially when there's not a lot of other commenters on a given proposed rule. Um, So our group often focuses on cost-benefit analysis. Um, It varies from comment to comment, though, because sometimes cost-benefit analysis is not the most convincing way to make an argument. Sometimes you don't know the benefits, but it's very clear that there's not an additional cost other than changing one word in a rule, and (laughs) there would be large benefits to doing this. Um, Being that this is an experimental project, it's very opportunistic. Um, We're responding to things on the Federal Register. We're not putting things there yet, so... I can imagine, like, in the future, larger organizations could be making much stronger pushes into policy and being more proactive rather than reactive, but the idea of us being reactive and producing lots of policy comments is to probe the field and see what sort of things can make change. Um, So, in general, first questions first. Do policy comments work? Well, one, we're trying to figure that out, but... Um, the things that led us into this in the first place were some uh, data from Richard Bruns, who's our economist who works at the um, Food and Drug Administration. Um, he's helped us out with um, doing economic analysis with lots of things, but in general, when he first pushed us toward doing this project, he would like tell us stories about like different um, mistakes like the FDA would avoid making just because of comments that people had submitted and that this historically had been a process for avoiding regulatory mistakes by having those with interests um, that could be harmed by um, regulation speaking up and preventing things from being implemented inefficiently. Um, another thing that came up is even some comments that weren't particularly Presenting new information to regulatory agencies had the ability to give sort of power behind regulators who are doing a better job than others it effectively like boosts those who are less biased to be able to make arguments um, Make their arguments stronger when they're debating what kind of policy they will finally implement Um, So our general process, I mean we go to regulations.gov select target rules conduct research draft draft a comment um, it's a lot more complex than this. We have a long post on the Effective Altruism Forum that goes into detail for each of these steps, or at least most of these steps. But um, this thing here at the end where we survey the experts, basically we're trying to collect feedback faster since like policy comments take a long time to get feedback from the government. So in surveying experts, we try to get feedback from other people working in the field to see what we can improve in our accuracy and convincingness quality. Um, this picture here, is like of an equation like the Department of Energy used for like determining funding for a certain weatherization program. Like in the Federal Register, this was written out all in sentences. And it takes anyone who's reading this probably like about an hour to understand what's going on in um, switching to more transparent systems. Like this isn't what we submitted in the policy comment, but it was like to figure out um, what was going on by making policies simply more transparent and rewording them so it's clear what they do. It makes future changes more feasible even if you're not doing changes right now. And one of our goals with the comment we had for the Department of Energy was to increase their ability to make good comments in the future. So other things we've commented on so far, like product safety um, for like window coverings was like our first comment. That was just like something we tried to pump out in a day. Um, A lot of things we've tried to do pretty quickly, but other ones we've tried to be more rigorous with. Um, Some of these we've submitted more than one comment on because there's multiple comment periods. And then we can update our analysis based on new information that comes in since we've submitted a first comment and try to correct any mistakes we've made, if there are any. Um, Let's see. I only have one minute, so I probably shouldn't go into each one of these. Um, So what are we looking for at EA Global? If anyone's interested in our project, we'd love some help. We'd really love rigorous, critical feedback. Like, if anyone would, like, be interested in, like, spending a day with me, just going through types of things we've done, our process, looking for big mistakes, that would really help us make progress forward. Um, in general, like, if this type of project were to continue far into the future, people with, like, masters in public policy or degrees in economics would be very valuable for doing this project, type of project more efficiently. I imagine in the long run, it might be, turn into something where people focus on like single policies for a month at a time, rather than trying to rapid fire out comments for feedback. Um, so yeah, I've already listed new useful ideas. Yeah, basically, I've already talked about all that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs>